Okay, uh, tonight uh, we're continuing our study in the book of Genesis. Uh, and uh, in our past study, uh, we began with God's uh, creation of all things, seeing that the, the God of the Israelites, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, uh, is the one true creator God. Uh, and he finished creating on the sixth day uh, with the pinnacle of his creation, the first humans. Uh, and then uh, we transitioned into the first Toledo, generations account. The generations of the heavens and the earth, where now we're focusing uh, on those humans, the, the very first ones. Uh, and we saw God's creation and provision uh, in the garden for them. Uh, first creating the man uh, from the ground to work the ground, uh, and the woman from the man uh, to help the, the man. And uh, then they were uh, living in, in God's paradise that he had uh, provided them, where they uh, enjoyed the, the fullness of God's blessing and a provision uh, for them. Uh, and then uh, the serpent came on the scene, uh, and we began to uh, look at the chapter which is leading up to God's banishment of the man and the woman uh, from uh, the garden. And first we saw uh, the serpent's temptation uh, of the woman, uh, where he uh, tempted her uh, and focused her desire on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, saying, you will be like God, knowing a good and evil uh, independently of God. Uh, and of course, uh, the woman uh, sinned uh, and then gave some to her husband who is with her uh, and he sinned. Uh, and then we really left off where uh, after the first sin, uh, they, didn't, they didn't become like God knowing good and evil, but uh, they knew uh, that they were naked. Uh, they were filled with uh, shame uh, and guilt uh, for their sin uh, and tried to uh, hide and cover up that shame themselves uh, by making uh, loincloths or coverings uh, made out of uh, fig leaves. And that uh, brings us uh, to the section tonight uh, where we'll begin to see uh, that God will find the man and the woman, uh, that he will question them, uh, and then he will judge uh, the, the serpent, uh, the woman, and the man. And I put it that way because there's a, a chiastic a structure uh, that will be seen. Uh, beginning uh, in verse 9, uh, with uh, where Yahweh God questions uh, the man. Uh, that's the first part of this chiastic structure. A, B, C, B, A. And so there, there are five parts. Uh, and so in part A, uh, Yahweh God questions the man. Part B, Yahweh God questions the woman. Part C, Yahweh God judges the serpent. Part B, uh, Yahweh God judges the woman. Uh, in part A, Yahweh God judges the man. Uh, and so it begins with God's questioning of the man uh, and ends with his judging of the man. Uh, and then the next step is his questioning and, and judging of the woman. Uh, in the very center part is his uh, judgment of the serpent. Uh, and that shows us that this whole section is... Uh, one uh, unit uh, that Moses has written it that's to be uh, read together. 
uh, and then each uh, section is initiated by a God speaking. Uh, so God questioning the man, questioning the woman, judging the serpent, judging the woman, and judging uh, the man. Uh, and then uh, we'll be looking at tonight uh, his questioning of the man uh, and his questioning of the woman. So the first two parts, uh, A and B. Uh, and it's going to, uh, first, a couple events will set the, the stage uh, for God to question them uh, and judge them for their sin. Uh, and first, uh, God will be introduced onto the scene. Uh, and then uh, the man and the woman will respond by hiding uh, from, from God. And that will lead into God's questioning uh, of the man. So let's just read chapter 3, uh, beginning with the serpent's last statement, uh, last statements in verses 4 and 5. And we'll read through, uh, through his questioning of the woman. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave me uh, to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So now uh, in verse 8, uh, we open with the very uh, initial events that will set the stage uh, for God's questioning of the man and the woman uh, in the judgment that is to follow. And first we see uh, the introduction uh, of Yahweh God uh, into uh, the scene. So verse 8, uh, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Uh, and so uh, here uh, we see uh, that God uh, is introduced uh, into the scene. And he hasn't been mentioned uh, since 
uh, he created the woman and brought her uh, to the man uh, to be uh, his wife. Uh, because after that, uh, a new scene began when the, when the serpent uh, came uh, came into the uh, the scene uh, and tempted uh, the woman. Uh, and now, notice uh, that they uh, heard the sound of the Lord God uh, walking in the garden uh, in the cool uh, of the day. Uh, this was something that uh, God would uh, do uh, regularly uh, in the garden. Uh, they enjoyed uh, God's uh, presence, uh, and He would uh, He would uh, reveal Himself to them, uh, and even uh, manifest Himself to them in in a way that was even uh, visible. Uh, of course, God doesn't have physical parts, uh, but uh, throughout the Book of Genesis, uh, throughout the Torah, the Law, the five books of Moses, uh, and throughout all of Scripture, uh, God uh, sometimes will manifest and reveal himself uh, in uh, some sort of a visible way. Uh, either, uh, some of these are called theophanies. Uh, so uh, the angel of Yahweh uh, is one. If you think about Moses, uh, where he saw the, the burning bush, uh, the angel of Yahweh, who is himself Yahweh, he is himself God, uh, he appeared in the burning bush uh, to uh, Moses uh, visibly, so so he could see him. Uh, also, uh, God would uh, show his presence with his people uh, in the Exodus in a pillar of cloud by day uh, and a pillar of fire by night. Uh, the pillar of cloud would help block the sun and give them a shade as God was with them uh, in the uh, in the wilderness and in the desert. Uh, and then the pillar of fire by night uh, would even give them a warmth and, and light uh, for them. And so he showed that he was with uh, his people. Uh, and then sometimes he would even uh, display a, a cloud of a bright, blinding, radiant uh, glory and light uh, to show, uh, to, to demonstrate and illustrate uh, God's own uh, magnificent glory and splendor uh, before his uh, people. Uh, and uh, just as another example, in Isaiah uh, 6, at the very beginning, uh, Isaiah says, uh, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Uh, and so even where their, their king has now uh, died, the, the king of Judah, a God is the one who is really reigning and sitting upon his throne uh, with his robe uh, filling the, the very uh, temple. Uh, and here, uh, when they hear the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden, uh, God uh, would reveal himself to them and they uh, enjoyed uh, his presence. They had communion and fellowship uh, with uh, God. Uh, and this uh, will lead uh, to, to their uh, reaction, uh, we'll, which will show something is amiss. Uh, this isn't like other times. This isn't like what we saw in chapter 2 with God's uh, provision for them, where he was present with them uh, even, even there. So uh, Victor P. Hamilton in his uh, commentary uh, says, uh, I'm just going to skip a line because of jargon, uh, 
toward sundown of the man and the woman heard Yahweh walking in the garden. Uh, such walks would take place in the early evening, at uh, the cooler time of day, uh, rather than in the heat of the day. Um, points to Genesis 18 verse 1 uh, for that. Uh, far from anticipating another time of fellowship with deity, uh, the couple who have just previously hid their nakedness from each other by clothing themselves now attempt to hide even from God. Concealment is the order of the day. Uh, the narrator refrains from commenting on exactly how one can camouflage himself and thus escape detection by God. Can trees or shrubbery really come between deity and humanity? Uh, and so uh, here he's uh, pointing to their uh, concealment, and of course uh, they cannot hide from God uh, among all the trees. Uh, and so uh, this brings us to uh, their response uh, to hearing God. Uh, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees uh, of the garden. Uh, and so uh, here, uh, as they hide themselves from God's presence, uh, it's very clear something is amiss. Uh, something uh, isn't uh, quite uh, right. Uh, why would they hide themselves uh, from the, the presence uh, of Yahweh God? If you think back to, to what we've been studying, uh, God's presence never uh, bothered them uh, before. Uh, God created uh, the man uh, in the garden and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. He, he's the one who placed him in the garden uh, and gave him his charge over all of it. And uh, also uh, for all of the, the trees for him to enjoy that he gave him. Uh, he is also the one who formed the woman from uh, the man's side and brought her uh, to, uh, to the man. Uh, and at the end of chapter 2, uh, it said, uh, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not uh, ashamed. Uh, and so uh, they had perfect communion and fellowship uh, with God. And they, uh, they enjoyed his presence. Uh, his presence was a very a delight to, the, to them. Uh, and it was never uh, something fearsome or, or bothersome. Uh, but uh, now uh, it says, uh, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, uh, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among uh, the trees of the garden. Uh, as uh, Matthew says, just the mere sound of God uh, in the distance sends them in flight uh, away from him uh, in fear uh, to hide uh, amidst the, the trees. Uh, and now... Uh, it's obviously because uh, they recognize their nakedness. Uh, they're, they're now naked and ashamed. Uh, they now bear guilt. Uh, now it's a fearsome thing uh, to be uh, in God's presence, and they even fear uh, the very uh, penalty uh, of uh, death, uh, which he said, in the day that you eat of it, uh, you shall surely die. Uh, and just as an example of what sinners do uh, in the presence of God, uh, this is basically 
just the, the original pattern and example with we, we see with the first humans, uh, but it's not uh, the last. Um, as one example, I, I remember uh, Pastor Eric uh, talking about his uh, little boy, uh, Will. Uh, and uh, Eric said, and I'll have to paraphrase somewhat, if, if you want the exact details, uh, go ask uh, Pastor Eric yourself. Uh, I'm sure he'll tell you. Uh, but he was explaining God's omniscience and his omnipresence uh, to, to Will, uh, to his, his boy, uh, explaining that God knows all things, that God's conscious presence uh, is, uh, is everywhere, uh, and uh, trying to explain it by saying that God uh, sees uh, all things. Uh, and Will thought about it for a moment uh, and realized he sees us. He sees us right now. Uh, and he got a little wide-eyed uh, and looked at uh, Eric, uh, his father, and said, let's hide. <laughs> let's hide. <laughs> he wanted to hide from the, the presence of God. It was overwhelming to think God is looking upon them right now. Uh, and that is a very appropriate response uh, for sinners uh, to a perfectly just and holy and righteous uh, God uh, as uh, God is. Uh, and so uh, here, uh, the man and the woman's hiding shows that there's been a dramatic change. Uh, there's been uh, some sort of uh, alienation. Uh, something has come between uh, the, the relationship that they previously uh, had with God and the, the perfect communion uh, before they had no reason to fear and hide. Uh, but now, uh, it says, the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. Also notice where uh, they hid themselves. Uh, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Uh, and so first, uh, they tried to cover their nakedness, shame, uh, and guilt uh, with uh, coverings that they made from fig leaves uh, sewed together. Uh, but now uh, their coverings uh, prove utterly insufficient uh, in the, the presence of God, uh, in just hearing the, the sound of him. Uh, and so now uh, they try to hide among the, the very trees uh, themselves. Uh, if you remember, uh, the trees were made for their enjoyment and to sustain their lives. And, uh, and if they uh, trusted God and uh, served him in humble submission, uh, then they would uh, enjoy uh, the trees and everything that God gave them for, forever and ever with a fullness uh, of joy and delight and beauty. Uh, but now uh, the trees uh, become uh, something to hide in. Uh, to uh, get away from God and to escape uh, his notice. Uh, and also, as I said, if you would like, uh, flip to uh, Revelation chapter 6, uh, verse 12. Uh, they're the first sinners uh, to hide themselves from God's presence, but they are not uh, the last. Uh, so, for example, in Isaiah 2, uh, in Isaiah is connected to Revelation. So we'll focus on Revelation a bit. But in Isaiah uh, chapter uh, 2, 
Uh, it talks about uh, God's judgment that's going to come uh, upon uh, his own people and all the nations, talking about the day of the Lord, uh, the day uh, of Yahweh. Uh, and it talks about how the sinners uh, run and hide uh, from uh, God. Uh, and as you work through uh, chapter 2 in Isaiah, first uh, they hide, uh, they go from hiding in the rock and the dust. But then they, they run and hide uh, even deeper. They go from the rock and the dust to hiding in the caves of the rocks, in the holes of the ground. Uh, and then they go deeper and deeper still, uh, finally hiding in the caverns of the rocks, in the clefts of the, of the cliffs. Uh, they, they seem to be fl uh, fleeing farther and farther, deeper and deeper, trying to get away from, from God and from the, uh, the presence uh, of Yahweh, uh, the, the dread uh, and fear and terror uh, of Yahweh. Uh, and then the Apostle John in Revelation chapter 6 uh, draws uh, from this uh, imagery. Uh, he talks about uh, the scroll uh, that Jesus Christ, the Lamb who sits upon the throne, uh, he removes the seals from the, the scroll. Uh, they'd have like wax seals on a scroll uh, to, uh, to open it. It could only be opened by the one who had the authority uh, to open it. Uh, and by the fourth seal, uh, authority is given for one-fourth of the earth, uh, of the population of the earth, to die by sword, famine, pestilence, and wild beasts. Uh, and then with the sixth seal, uh, there is a great uh, earthquake. And this uh, is where John is going to draw from the, the people uh, fleeing from, from God uh, on the, the day of the, the Lord in Isaiah 2. So beginning in uh, verse 12. Uh, when he opened the sixth seal, I looked and behold, there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth. The full moon became like blood, and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as the fig tree sheds its winter fruit when shaken by a gale. The sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth, and the great ones, and the generals, and the rich, and the powerful, and everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of the wrath has come, and who can stand? Uh, and so we, we see here that uh, all of them, all of these people, uh, they... Uh, they, they flee uh, and hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. Uh, and so here we see the first man and the first woman, the first sinners, uh, flee and hide themselves from the presence of God. Uh, but uh, they are not uh, the, the last. Uh, and we'll see it in the, the very uh, last days as well when God brings his uh, final uh, judgment uh, upon the earth. And so uh, now uh, the man uh, and his wife have hidden themselves from God, uh, and he's come on the scene. Uh, and this uh, sets up uh, the following uh, dialogue. 
Uh, and first, uh, he'll question uh, the man. Uh, and their dialogue is made up of two exchanges, so two back and forths uh, between them, uh, each one beginning with God questioning uh, the man. Uh, in the first exchange uh, is initiated by God asking him, where are you? Uh, and that will concern why the man is hiding, where he is hiding uh, among the, the trees. Uh, and the second exchange is initiated by God's questions, who told you that you were naked? And uh, have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? Uh, and that second exchange uh, will concern uh, the reason for the man's knowledge of his nakedness uh, and the shame and guilt uh, that goes, goes along with it. So let's focus on this first exchange first that, that focuses on why the man is hiding, where he is hiding. And so uh, verse 9, uh, But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? Uh, and now he addresses the man uh, first, uh, in individually, uh, and that's probably because he gave him a chief responsibility over the garden uh, and over uh, his charge. Uh, it's his primary responsibility to take care of. So he begins uh, with the man, uh, and then he will go to the helper, the woman, uh, and then to the serpent, which is just one of the beasts. The serpent's not supposed to be in charge uh, of these things. And now, uh, notice uh, that uh, where God uh, asks this, this question, uh, it, it does not mean, just because he says, where are you, uh, it does not mean that God doesn't know uh, all things. Uh, he, he really doesn't need to be informed as to the, the location of uh, the man. Uh, so uh, it, it, it's not that he's ignorant uh, about the man's location. They ask the, the question this way. Uh, it's not as if God uh, were saying, uh, I've been going all around the, the garden all, all day, just worried sick about you. Where have you been? Uh, it, it's, not, it's not like that. Uh, and we'll see that uh, Adam's response to him, he doesn't even tell him where his location is. He, he, he doesn't take the, the question uh, that way. Uh, in the rest of Genesis, uh, the rest of the Torah, the, the law, uh, the rest of Scripture shows very clearly that God knows all things, even if we go back to the, the creation account and that he's a sovereign over them. But uh, God does condescend uh, to communicate uh, with his creatures uh, in a way that they understand, uh, using our own language. Uh, he, he condescends. Uh, some theologians talk about it as if he's uh, prattling with them, kind, kind of like baby, baby talk uh, to, to humans because uh, we're, we're so much lower uh, and beneath God, but he condescends to communicate with us in a way that we can understand. Uh, and so what God's really doing is he's eliciting the man's attention uh, and uh, calling uh, for uh, his, his response. Uh, basically, uh, he's calling him out of hiding and he's drawing attention to the fact uh, that the man is hiding. 
uh, that's rather unusual. God's drawing attention uh, to it. And so uh, Matthew says, uh, verses 9 through 11, emphasize the second person singular, you. So singularly addressing the man. Uh, instead of the man, the woman. Uh, focusing on the individual liability of Adam. Uh, God initiates the dialogue by calling out to the man, where are you? Uh, the question is rhetorical and is designed to prompt Adam to consider his wrongdoing. Similarly, uh, this question is put to Cain concerning his crime. And we'll see that in chapter, nine, or chapter 4. Uh, there will be no possibility for reconciliation if the guilty are unwilling to confess uh, their deeds. And so he's drawing attention to uh, his hiding and he's going to bring them uh, to confess uh, his, uh, his sin and rebellion. Uh, in Gordon uh, Wenham, he talks about uh, God as the divine inquisitor uh, as he interrogates and sentences the man, woman, and the serpent. Uh, and then he says, uh, God's questions were designed to elicit confessions, not information. He knew perfectly well what they had done. Uh, and so now we see God's first question, uh, how does the man uh, respond? Verse 10, And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. Uh, and so here we see uh, with the, the man's answer, he doesn't answer uh, the question by describing his precise uh, location or, or giving his coordinates. You know, oh, I'm behind you, God. Over here. <laughs> you, you missed me. Uh, no, he, he doesn't answer that way. Uh, but the thing that demands explanation uh, is not where precisely he is, but why he is where he is. Why is he hiding uh, amidst the trees? Uh, and so uh, the man uh, recounts uh, and explains uh, the immediate events uh, that led up uh, to, uh, to God before he called out uh, to the, uh, the man. Uh, and this gives his motivation for, uh, for hiding. He, he says that he's naked, or, or they was naked. Uh, and so just looking at verse 8 and, and verse 10, uh, the, it's quite accurate in parallel uh, with the previous account. Uh, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden uh, in the cool of the day. Uh, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And then verse 10, his explanation. And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Uh, so here, the only difference, now he's stating what was obvious from before. Uh, he's afraid. Uh, now he gives the reason. Because I was uh, naked. However, uh, he leaves out a few details uh, about the events that led up to uh, this situation of him hiding himself. Uh, he says nothing about the serpent's deception of the woman. He 
doesn't tell God uh, anything uh, about her eating from the tree, her giving to the man and him eating from the, the forbidden tree. Uh, he doesn't talk about how uh, suddenly they knew that they were naked and they were filled with guilt and shame. So they, uh, they found fig leaves and quickly sewed them together and created makeshift uh, coverings to uh, cover, to try and hide their, their shame and nakedness. Uh, and so uh, all in all, he really doesn't come out and forthrightly confess uh, to God uh, his sin uh, and what uh, had really uh, happened. Uh, he just uh, gives an explanation of uh, some of the circumstances, uh, but even those, uh, letting on that he knows he's naked, uh, it's going to give him away. Uh, and now, uh, also notice the man's uh, explicit uh, stated reason for being uh, afraid. Uh, verse 10, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Uh, but uh, this implies that he was afraid that God would see uh, his nakedness, uh, his uh, shame. Uh, and so that's why uh, he became afraid uh, and fled uh, from God to to hide uh, among the trees. Uh, his real fear is to be noticed by God uh, being naked, ashamed, uh, and guilty uh, because of the, the sin that he's committed. Uh, and also, um, it's interesting that he says he's naked. Do you remember the part where we've already talked about it? They sewed together fig leaves and made themselves uh, coverings to cover uh, their nakedness. And so why and how does he say that he's naked uh, when they've made themselves uh, coverings? Well, there, there are uh, a few uh, possible uh, or a couple possible explanations for this. Uh, one, uh, maybe their coverings provide uh, inadequate coverage, uh, physically speaking. Uh, and so it might be a little bit like uh, being in your uh, underwear or your uh, undergarments and uh, nobody uh, wa wants to be seen uh, in their knickers or skivvies. Uh, maybe, maybe they're semi-naked. It's not, it's not quite adequate what they've uh, created them for themselves. And uh, there's probably a grain of truth there. Uh, we'll see. God's going to give them something uh, much more substantial than their uh, coverings of fig leaves. However, uh, that's really uh, unsatisfactory uh, as to why uh, he became uh, afraid uh, and fled and ran away. Uh, the real problem is that uh, their coverings uh, cannot remove their nakedness, uh, sin, uh, guilt, uh, shame uh, before uh, a holy uh, and righteous God. Uh, if you think about before they rebelled, uh, they were sinless uh, and innocent. Uh, they uh, had no reason to be uh, ashamed or to be uh, fearful of, of condemnation uh, or, or death. And it said, and the man and his wife were both naked uh, and were not ashamed. And so it wasn't even, it wasn't even a concern for them. They, they didn't have a, a reason to feel, uh, to feel shame and, and guilt. But 
uh, after uh, rebelling against God, uh, nothing can cover uh, their shame. Uh, nothing can hide uh, their shame. Certainly nothing that's at their own disposal uh, that uh, they can provide for themselves uh, through their, their own means. Uh, and so uh, it's obvious that their coverings uh, that they've made for, for themselves, uh, they've utterly failed to, to hide their shame uh, from God. Uh, the, the very fact uh, that they make coverings shows that they're guilty, uh, that they're ashamed. Uh, but uh, their coverings were so inadequate uh, that they fled for, for uh, all of the, the trees of the garden and tried to use those as uh, basically a double uh, cover, to, to have more and more cover over themselves uh, so that God uh, wouldn't see uh, their shame. Uh, but the fact that they're hiding, uh, again, shows that they're guilty. Uh, and so they, they can't uh, get, a, get rid of this. Uh, and even as Adam admits, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He's naked. He's full of shame uh, for, for what uh, he's done. Uh, and now even every tree and leaf under heaven cannot hide their shame or remove their guilt uh, from before a God. Uh, now uh, they, they've sinned uh, against God. They've incurred uh, the penalty of death. Uh, and he was the one who lavished upon them absolutely uh, everything uh, in overabundance uh, he supplied them with uh, that they could enjoy in his presence forever and ever. But uh, they took uh, from the one tree uh, that God prohibited. Uh, and so now uh, nothing uh, can cover uh, and hide uh, their nakedness and shame. Uh, and now, uh, now that uh, he has admitted uh, this, uh, his real reason uh, for, for hiding from, from God, uh, that uh, he was afraid of being seen uh, naked uh, before uh, God, uh, now uh, this is going to lead to God's uh, next uh, two uh, questions, uh, which is going to bring about uh, the, uh, the admission of uh, his sin. And so now this uh, second exchange, the first had to do uh, with why he was where he was. And I suppose in the condition he was, naked. Uh, but uh, this one uh, has to do with the man's knowledge of uh, his nakedness, shame, and guilt. And so verse 11 uh, he said, who told, you, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not uh, to eat? Uh, and so here God asks two uh, questions. Uh, in both of them, a concern how the man came to know uh, that he was uh, naked. Uh, and there's an assumption uh, be behind uh, these questions uh, that, that God is addressing uh, to the man. Uh, really, uh, their conscious knowledge of their nakedness uh, wasn't natural to them. Uh, that's not their original uh, state uh, in the garden. Uh, 
by being naked uh, without sinning, uh, they uh, had not violated any of God's commandments. They hadn't violated uh, his pro prohibition. And uh, there was nothing uh, indecent uh, about uh, their nakedness in their, their state uh, of innocence. Uh, and as we read uh, earlier, uh, the man and his wife were both naked uh, and not ashamed. And so this wasn't natural. And so now that they have become aware of their nakedness, it demands some sort of explanation. Uh, and so God uh, is questioning him, uh, giving him uh, two questions. Uh, if he knows that he's naked, either someone must have told him that he's naked, uh, or uh, he ate from the forbidden uh, tree. And that's why he's uh, ashamed now. Uh, and there's also uh, a third option uh, that we, we can briefly uh, mention. Uh, first, let's take up the, the first question of who told you uh, that you were naked. Now, in their innocence, uh, if they had not sinned against God, if they had not uh, eaten uh, from the forbidden uh, tree, uh, there are really only a couple things uh, that could have made them aware of their nakedness. Uh, in the first, uh, we just mentioned someone telling them or informing them uh, that they're naked. Uh, or second, uh, their uh, environment. Uh, and so if, if you think about their environment, uh, if they were to become maybe uh, uncomfortable uh, or if the, the weather became uh, dangerous so that it caused bodily injury and harm to them so that they need to maybe cover up because of the, the cold or the heat uh, or because of uh, torrential storms and downpours or something like that, uh, then uh, they might recognize boy, I, I better put, put something on. I mean, they, they might recognize they're naked. They, they need some other layers uh, to, to put on. But uh, in the garden, uh, after the fall, uh, this would make sense. Uh, and that might even be part of why God clothes them. Uh, they're, they're going to need clothing to, to protect themselves, although the main reason is to, to cover their, uh, their shame and guilt. But before the garden, uh, it was the garden of delight. Uh, and so uh, th there were no thorns or thistles. Uh, there was no death uh, and injury uh, or anything that could cause them a bodily harm uh, because in God's good cre creation uh, and by uh, his providence, uh, his uh, care over all things, uh, they would never uh, come uh, into harm and suffer bodily harm or, or death. And so uh, the environment uh, in the garden uh, nothing uh, threatened them uh, that would make them uh, know that, that they were naked. And God doesn't even raise this as a conceivable uh, option. Uh, they're, uh, they're in the, the garden where they enjoyed his provision, blessing, and presence. Uh, and so the first possibility that God raises uh, is that someone uh, maybe told them uh, that they were naked. Uh, who, who told you uh, that, that you were naked? Uh, and really this question is, it's rhetorical. Uh, it doesn't expect an answer, uh, and the man isn't going to, to answer it uh, because God is making a point uh, by uh, the, the very uh, question. And so Victor P. Hamilton says, uh, the 
first of these questions may seem strange to the reader. Uh, who told you that you were naked? Uh, nakedness is not a condition of which one would be ignorant, at least not on this side of the fall. Uh, people know if they're naked or, or not, but before then, uh, a question like this would, would make sense. Uh, was it the serpent who told you? Was it the woman who told you? Was it your own eyes that told you? Uh, in other words, whence the man's source of guilt and shame? Uh, from where uh, did his shame uh, and guilt uh, arise? What is the, the source of it? Uh, and by God uh, asking him, uh, who told you you are naked, uh, it draws uh, attention that uh, no one did. Uh, he's ashamed and guilty because he ate from the tree. The, the next question naturally follows. Uh, and also, I mean, did someone tell him uh, that he was naked? Well, uh, the, the serpent didn't. The, the serpent said uh, that uh, in the day that you eat of it, uh, you, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Uh, he didn't just come out right and say, uh, you will know that you're naked and you're going to be full of shame, uh, shame and guilt. Uh, and even uh, if he did uh, tell them, then why, why were they uh, afraid? Why did they become so afraid that they hid from, uh, from God? Uh, God, they, they didn't sin by being naked so long as they uh, didn't eat from the, the tree. Uh, and so they'd have no reason to, to be guilty, even if the serpent told them they're naked. So what? Uh, God also, he didn't tell them, you shall not be naked. That wasn't one of his commandments uh, with, with uh, the tree. Uh, he said, you shall not eat from the tree of the knowledge of, of good and evil. Uh, and so really the, the first question, uh, who told you that you are naked? Uh, it answers uh, itself. Uh, nobody told him uh, that uh, he was naked, uh, but he learned it by himself uh, from eating uh, from uh, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, the, the one tree uh, that God forbid. Uh, and this uh, leads directly uh, to the, the second uh, question. Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you uh, not uh, to eat? Uh, and really, this uh, is the only explanation for their guilt. Uh, they ate uh, from the, the one tree. Uh, and here, uh, the focus is on which tree uh, they ate from. Uh, from the tree of which I commanded you uh, not uh, to eat. And so God allowed them to eat from all of the trees. Uh, but it, the issue is that they ate from this one and only tree uh, that God uh, would not uh, give them. Uh, and he commanded, uh, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat from the day that you eat of it. You shall surely die. Uh, to eat of this tree was deliberate, a willful, a high-handed rebellion uh, against God uh, who freely gave them uh, everything uh, good uh, to eat. Uh, and the penalty for eating uh, was death. Uh, and so uh, let's see how the man answers God's uh, final uh, questions. Uh, who told you that you were naked? Uh, have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? Uh, verse 12, uh, the man said, 
Uh, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. Uh, now notice uh, the man, now that it has become absolutely undeniable, uh, his guilt has become undeniable, uh, now he finally reluctantly admits to the crime, but only after blaming the woman and God. So uh, first uh, he blames uh, the woman. Uh, the man said, uh, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. And now, uh, it is true, the woman did give him fruit of the tree, uh, and he uh, ate. Uh, she did uh, give it to him, and uh, God will uh, question the woman uh, next, uh, and he's ultimately uh, going to uh, judge her for her part uh, that she played. But... Uh, this is no uh, excuse for the man uh, disobeying God's uh, commandment. Uh, God specifically set the man over the garden uh, and gave him charge over it and commanded him uh, concerning uh, the trees. He knew uh, God's commandment. Who are you going to listen to? Uh, your wife or God? The serpent or God? Uh, and so... Uh, God sent him over the garden. Uh, he provided him with everything. Uh, and the man deliberately, willfully uh, sinned and rebelled uh, against God. And he can't get away with excusing himself by uh, blaming uh, the woman. Uh, but the man does not just blame the woman. Uh, he's really blaming God, ultimately. Uh, notice how he, how he characterizes uh, the woman. Uh, he does not say, uh, the woman gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. Or my woman, my wife gave me fruit of the tree, uh, and I ate. Uh, we know what woman he's talking about, uh, because there is only one woman. There, there aren't other, other woman, women uh, around. But uh, he says, uh, the woman whom you gave to be with me, uh, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. Uh, oh, sure, yes, uh, the woman did give me the fruit of the tree, but you're the one who gave me the woman. That's what he's saying uh, to God. Uh, yes, it is the woman who gave me the fruit of the tree, but you are the one who gave me uh, the woman. Uh, and so he is really uh, blaming God and saying that uh, he's at fault for uh, the man's sin uh, and rebellion. And now think back to the, the creation and provision uh, of the woman. When, when God brought her uh, to the man, uh, what did he do? He broke out in poetry, in song. He was so overjoyed uh, and thrilled by the provision that God gave him, uh, a helper as his perfect complement and, and counterpart. Uh, and th they enjoyed pure uh, marital bliss uh, in, in the garden. Uh, but now uh, he forgets that. Uh, and he has uh, no gratitude for God's good provision, but uh, he blames God uh, for his uh, sin. Uh, and so he's justifying himself uh, in making uh, excuses for uh, his sin. Uh, but uh, the man does uh, finally, uh, reluctantly uh, admit his, his guilt, uh, or at least 
uh, the fact that he ate uh, from the, the forbidden tree. Uh, but uh, he does this only after his guilt has been clearly displayed uh, and only after he has blamed uh, the woman uh, in God. Uh, and so after these things, uh, the man said, uh, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me uh, fruit of the tree and I ate. Uh, and so this shows hardly a sign of true uh, repentance uh, before a God. Uh, you see no godly sorrow at this point or a heartfelt confession to God. Uh, he confesses his sin only after uh, he's been cornered uh, and God has already made it uh, clear uh, that uh, that uh, he's guilty. Uh, and then he confesses uh, his sin uh, while blaming others uh, in justifying uh, himself. And so uh, he is unrepentant, self-righteous, uh, and self-justifying. Uh, and he has been uh, caught red-handed and has finally uh, admitted uh, his guilt. And so uh, Victor P. Hamilton says, uh, A simple yes uh, would have gotten the matter out in, into the open. But the man becomes devious and defensive. Uh, he points the finger of blame both at his spouse, she gave me, and at God, the woman whom you placed by me. Uh, through rationalization, the criminal becomes the victim. Uh, and it is God and the woman who emerge as the real instigators in this scenario. Adam plays up their contribution uh, in his demise and downplays his own part. Uh, by postposing uh, his own involvement until the last word in the verse, Adam attempts to minimize his part in the sin. Uh, and so uh, we see uh, he has finally kind of, sort of confessed, yeah, I ate. Uh, and he's also uh, outed uh, the woman. Uh, and so now God is going to uh, turn uh, to, to her, uh, who will then appoint the blame uh, to the serpent and reluctantly admit uh, her guilt. Uh, now uh, here there's only one brief exchange uh, between uh, God and the woman. Uh, and this concerns uh, the woman's giving the man fruit from the tree of knowledge. So verse 13, uh, Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And now, here, God's question, uh, What is this you have done? Uh, draws directly from the man's own testimony in verse 12. Uh, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. And so what is this uh, that you have done, uh, giving him uh, the fruit uh, of the tree uh, to eat? And here, uh, God has pretty much gotten uh, to the bottom uh, of things uh, as the, the judge uh, in trying them and prosecuting uh, their uh, case in court. And so uh, all that is left is to ask his question to the woman, uh, who, which will then lead back to the serpent who started it all, uh, and then each sinner will bear uh, their own sin, uh, as we'll see uh, God uh, judging them uh, after. 
after the woman answers. And so the woman's answer, uh, the woman said, uh, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Uh, and now I uh, hear uh, what the woman says uh, is true. Uh, she cannot blame her husband. He didn't give her the, the fruit. Uh, she does not blame God. But she does, however, blame uh, the serpent. Uh, and it is true. Uh, she was deceived. Uh, the, the serpent did uh, deceive her. Uh, and God will judge uh, the serpent uh, for uh, his deception. Uh, and it says the, the Apostle Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, uh, verse 13, uh, For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Uh, and so, yes, uh, the serpent did deceive her, and God will uh, judge the serpent for his part. Uh, however, uh, she still sinned. Uh, she willfully sinned, uh, and she wanted to be like God, knowing good and evil, independent uh, of God, uh, which is no a light a sin. Uh, and she willfully ate from the tree uh, and also gave to her husband, uh, who then ate uh, with her. Uh, and so, uh, like the serpent, uh, she will uh, be judged uh, according to, to her part and her sin, uh, just like her husband. Uh, and then, uh, after blaming the serpent, uh, the woman uh, reluctantly uh, admits uh, her guilt, uh, just like her husband, and again, uh, doesn't show at this point a true uh, repentance uh, toward, toward God. Uh, but she admits that she ate from the forbidden tree uh, only after the guilt of her and her husband has become utterly undeniable. Uh, God made that clear with the man. Uh, and then after she blames the serpent, uh, and then she says, uh, the serpent deceived me, and I uh, ate. Uh, and again, uh, no godly sorrow. Uh, we, we don't see uh, her uh, going straight to God to, to confess uh, her sins fully uh, and openly uh, before him, but only after she's been cornered. Uh, and then she confesses her sins uh, while, uh, while blaming, uh, blaming others, not, not taking the, the full weight uh, and burden of her own uh, actions. Uh, and so uh, she justifies herself uh, just like, like her husband. And Victor uh, P. Hamilton says, uh, The woman's answer to God's question is similar to the man's. Uh, she too must exculpate uh, herself uh, neither of them exhibits any sign of contrition. Uh, looked at more closely, however, her answer lacks some of the less attractive parts of her spouse's, although she is still, like her husband, defending herself. Uh, she does not say, the serpent whom you made, like her, her husband did about her, uh, nor does she say, the man to whom you gave me. Uh, also, she openly admits uh, that she was tricked or deceived. Uh, the serpent, so to speak, uh, fed her a line, uh, presented an attractive proposition, uh, and she bought it. Uh, and we can say hook, line, uh, and sinker. Uh, she fell for it uh, that she uh, would be uh, like God and wasn't 
satisfied with uh, God's provision and making them uh, in the very image and likeness uh, of God. Uh, and so now uh, God traced the crime uh, from the, the man uh, back to the woman, back to the very uh, beginning of this scene to the serpent. Uh, and then uh, we'll see uh, in the, the coming uh, weeks uh, as we continue in chapter 3, uh, that he's going to uh, judge the serpent, the woman, uh, and the man, which will finish the, the chiastic uh, structure that we talked about. And now, uh, from last week's, uh, we know why uh, they sinned. Uh, as we uh, put it uh, last time, I believe, uh, they were not satisfied with God's good provision. Uh, they desired the one thing that God uh, forbid, uh, to be like, like him, knowing good and evil. A third, uh, they miscalculated the consequences of sin. Uh, and fourth, uh, they disbelieved God and his uh, word. But now we see not just why uh, they sinned, uh, but we see how do they respond uh, to their guilt and something that sinners have been repeating uh, since uh, the very uh, beginning. And so uh, instead of confessing their sin uh, in turning to God for forgiveness, they tried to conceal uh, their sin, uh, whether in part or in whole. So if you think about they tried to uh, hide their shame uh, with the coverings that they made for themselves, tried to remove and hide their shame. Uh, they tried to uh, hide uh, in the forest. Uh, and then as God questioned them, uh, they still weren't giving uh, the, the, full, uh, the full truth uh, right away. Uh, certainly, uh, the, the man wasn't. He, he didn't tell uh, the full story uh, and come right out about his sin. And so they tried to conceal their sin. Uh, and sinners, yes, uh, they uh, seek to cover up their sins, uh, they try to hide it and pretend uh, that it never uh, happened uh, and deny it. Uh, and then second, uh, they sought to justify uh, themselves. And we could include another, saying they blamed others. But I think with this self-justification, I think blaming others uh, is one of the ways that we justify ourselves. Uh, we make ourselves uh, to uh, appear uh, righteous uh, and not guilty. Uh, and so uh, sinners uh, naturally make uh, excuses. They uh, blame others. Uh, they uh, justify themselves, present themselves as, as righteous uh, for uh, their sin, sinful uh, behavior. Uh, and so uh, they tried to conceal their sin uh, and they uh, try, sought to uh, justify uh, themselves. Uh, and really, uh, sinners uh, will do anything and everything uh, rather than acknowledging their sin, confessing it, and repenting uh, of it. And we'll see uh, with Cain, uh, once they're outside of the garden, uh, one of their sons, uh, we'll see that he will do even worse than his parents uh, when he uh, murders uh, his own uh, brother. Uh, the first sin was uh, eating a piece of fruit. Uh, the very next recorded sin 
uh, is fratricide, uh, murder, murdering one's own uh, brother, uh, which shows the, the consequences of sin. Uh, and then his descendant, his seventh descendant, Lamech, uh, who's the first man to have two wives, uh, he'll do even worse yet. But uh, their, their concealment uh, of their uh, sin uh, and their self-justification uh, does not work with uh, the just judge uh, of all uh, the earth, as we're seeing here. And we'll uh, see uh, when he judges them. Uh, and he's the one uh, before whom everyone uh, must uh, give an account for every uh, thought, a word, a deed, uh, and every uh, attitude and intention uh, of the, the heart. Uh, it's just as the, the author of Hebrews says uh, in Hebrews uh, chapter 4. Uh, Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that uh, no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. And he's talking about God's final rest uh, in the, the end times, the new heavens, uh, in the new earth. Uh, for the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Uh, we saw that the man and the woman, uh, all things were naked and exposed uh, to the eyes of him to whom uh, we must give an account. Uh, there was no place uh, they could hide. Not all the trees and leaves under heaven uh, could hide them uh, from God uh, and hide and remove uh, their shame. Uh, but uh, if only uh, Adam and Eve uh, had known uh, that they had uh, a great high priest, uh, one who stands before a God uh, in the, the heavenly places uh, as their advocate and mediator, uh, the one who uh, goes between uh, them, uh, them and God and intercedes for them. Uh, the author of Hebrews goes on, uh, Since then uh, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Uh, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace uh, to help uh, in time of need. Uh, and here uh, we see that a Christ is a high priest. Uh, he is the, the sinless one who laid down uh, his own life uh, on behalf of his people, uh, those who would trust uh, in him uh, making uh, atonement uh, for them. Uh, they were uh, alienated uh, from God, uh, but uh, by making atonement, uh, he uh, removed their sins, uh, took them uh, upon himself uh, and bore uh, the penalty for them, uh, for anyone who repents and trusts in him. Uh, and uh, he uh, bore uh, the, the very wrath uh, of the Father, uh, bearing uh, the penalty 
uh, that was due to them so that uh, they could be reconciled to God. God's wrath uh, would be uh, averted uh, and their sins uh, removed. Uh, and he also clothed them in his very own uh, righteousness. Uh, and so uh, it's just as uh, the author of Hebrews says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy uh, and find grace to help uh, in time uh, of need. Uh, and so here, uh, because this is the, the pattern uh, of, of all sinners throughout all history uh, since the, the beginning, uh, I think we should be uh, quick uh, to uh, acknowledge uh, and confess uh, our sins uh, to, to God. And he's uh, faithful uh, and just uh, to forgive us uh, of all of our uh, sins. Uh, and then uh, in the uh, coming weeks, as we continue through chapter 3, uh, we'll be looking at God's uh, judgment oracles against the, the serpent, uh, the woman, uh, and the man. Uh, we'll also see uh, a glimmer of uh, hope and mercy uh, before they're uh, cast out of the, the garden. And so I, I look forward to uh, continuing uh, in, our, in our study. So let's just uh, pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you uh, for your word and for these uh, words that uh, you breathed out through your uh, prophet Moses uh, that uh, teach us uh, about the, the very uh, origin uh, of sin uh, and rebellion uh, and why your, your creation uh, is fallen and filled with uh, evil and violence and sin. Uh, and I thank you for uh, revealing these things uh, to us uh, that we could understand uh, your uh, justice uh, and uh, your uh, mercy uh, and also uh, what went wrong so that we can also understand uh, your uh, plan uh, of salvation uh, to know uh, how we can be uh, forgiven for, for our sins and uh, we can find uh, grace uh, and mercy. And I pray that uh, by your spirit, uh, whenever we sin against you, that uh, you would uh, convict us uh, and that you would grant us uh, repentance and that uh, we wouldn't uh, seek to uh, conceal our sin uh, or to justify ourselves, but that we would uh, confess our sins to you and uh, that we would uh, trust in, in your son and in his uh, perfect, uh, finished uh, work, his uh, once-for-all sacrifice, uh, because uh, only uh, through faith in Christ uh, and only by your grace uh, can we uh, be saved and forgiven for all of our sins. And I uh, thank you uh, for these things. I thank you for your son and that we have such a great high priest. And I pray that you would cause these things to weigh heavily on us and uh, that we would uh, meditate uh, on your word uh, day and night and talk about it uh, with one another and uh, with our friends and families and brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we thank you for these things and we uh, give you all the praise and honor and glory. And we pray in the name of your son. Amen.